You know, as, as Steve was sharing in the announcements and doing the prayer spotlights about, about Houston and, and the great need that is in Houston and, and about a family in our church who has a great need who is, who is um, suffering loss, I thought, you know, that is, this is what the church is all about. This is the church doing what the church is called to do. This is the church showing the world how that it loves each other. You know, the Fairlawn Church exists to glorify God by equipping believers to advance the gospel. And, you know, a part of us sending, of caring for the people of Houston is us advancing the gospel, of us partnering with the church in the city of Houston, which is in dire need and in dire need of hope, partnering with them to enable them to give hope to Houston. That's what the church is about. And you know, as, as we then, as we walk through this, this grieving process with, with Jolene and Gabby and Lily and Luke, it's what the church is about. It's about us caring for the body. It's about us when, when one of us hurts, we all hurt together. We surround each other with love. And so, you know, this, this weekend, I know it's a holiday weekend, but I think as a church we have a responsibility to gather around this family and you know, to volunteer to do things like make food and to serve the family and, and to usher and, and, and to do whatever we can to make this just a little less painful. And then in the weeks and months to come, it's about us caring for the widow and the orphan. It's about the church being the church. And you know, I thought the way John thought, I thought when I looked at my sermon, um, the church in Laodicea it doesn't really fit with where we're at this morning as a body, asking questions about why a young man has to die. It didn't seem appropriate, but then when I thought more about it, you know, funerals are about three things. Remembering the person who has died, remembering their life and how we were impacted. It's, it's reminding us of our own mortality and that that life is short. But then it's also for us to reflect to reflect on our own spirituality, to, to reflect on our faith. And are we in the faith? The scripture says we're to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. And when you look at the church in Laodicea, it's, it's about them examining themselves and recognizing where they're at. And it's about us understanding where we're at in our faith.
So turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. We'll be talking about this church in Laodicea who, you know, they sort of wanted to pick and choose what part of faith that they live. And so, so they were sort of like somebody that goes to the store or, or who goes through the drive-thru and says, look, give me $3 worth of God. Not enough to inconvenience my plans. Just give me enough to keep me from hell. Give me a, give me a, a little bit of fire insurance. Could you give me just a dash of the Holy Spirit and but hold the commitment. I'd rather not have any of the suffering. Just give me $3 worth of God. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I don't need anything. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Be earnest and repent. Here I, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I over overcome and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear left. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Pray with me. Father, we hear these piercing words from Jesus to this church. But we also, Lord, we see the beauty of his invitation. Father, this morning as we are gathered would you speak to our hearts? Lord, would you, through your spirit, cause each one of us to evaluate our faith? And we'd be changed this morning by your word. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So Laodicea was noted throughout Asia for its wealth. It was the most prosperous of the seven cities that, that are written about here in Revelation. It had many large, beautiful homes in this city. It was a flourishing, had a, a flourishing clothing industry. It, it 
was a very affluent city. Did this thing fall off? So sorry. Has that thing been hanging there the whole time? Why didn't you tell me? Ah. All right. Let's try this again. Laodicea. It was a very affluent city. And outwardly, this church appeared to be strong and prosperous. These people worshipped together. They considered themselves to, to be happy and blessed. They got together every week and they worshipped. They had everything. It was a comfortable place to live, a comfortable place to go to church. There was no persecution like Philadelphia had, had experienced. There, that, that, that Jesus doesn't even say anything about, about bad theology. But it is to this church that he has the strongest condemnation. And so he begins his letter, Paul be, or John begins this by identifying the person who gave the message. He says, these are the words of the amen. Amen is a sign of agreement. It's the last word. It is truth. Jesus is the final amen to all that God has said and will ever say. He is the amen. He is the faithful and true witness, the letter says. Therefore, we can trust his word completely. And so for the church in Laodicea, what this means, what the opening means is that when Christ issues this rebuke, it's not just an opinion, it is from the amen. It is from the faithful and true. It is from the ruler of God's creation. He was there, and he was there from the beginning. He was and always is and always will be. The whole universe owes its existence to this Jesus. He is sovereign over the birds and over the fish that swim in the sea and over the flowers that bloom. And when he speaks, when the amen, the faithful witness the ruler of the universe, when he speaks, you must listen. And this is what the amen, the faithful witness, the creator of the universe, this is what he has to say to you, church, in Laodicea. And here is his indictment to the church. He says, I know your deeds. And I know that they are neither cold nor hot. I wish they were one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out. So he's in the indictment against him. is, look, church in Laodicea, you're indifferent. You're half-hearted in your relationship with Christ. You have no zeal for him. 
Now, when you look at the church, I'm sure if you were there and you looked at the church, you know, they looked like they were okay because they, really, they didn't outwardly reject Jesus. They, they, they believed in Jesus. And, 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 and Jesus maybe had some, some moderate influence on them. They were going to church at least every week. But there was something very wrong. They weren't, they weren't excited or awed about Jesus. They didn't burn with desire for more of him. Uh, they didn't run hard after him. Um, they didn't welcome in, in him into their, the innermost places of their emotion and allow him to penetrate and to heal and to change them. They kept him just outside the door. They kept him at a, at a distance, you see, because they wanted, they wanted $3 worth of Jesus. No more, no less. Just, just $3. Because they were lukewarm. And Jesus says, your lukewarmness makes me want to puke. Now, those are pretty harsh words that Jesus uses, but, but they turn his stomach. And he wants to spew them out of his mouth because, because what he received, the taste that he gets, isn't what he, what he expects. You know how that is when, when, when you have this certain expectation of something that you're about to eat. I remember years ago when we went to Papua New Guinea, we had traveled for about 30 hours, and we were tired, and we were hungry, and, and, and Carolyn Hosell was telling me that her favorite food was banana heart. You know, and I'm thinking, banana, sweet, it'll be warm, and I'll just be able to just put this in my mouth and just, ah. Oh. And so we get there, and, and I see the banana heart, and I pile a big thing on my plate. That's a bad idea when you're in another country. And the first thing I do is I take a bite of this banana heart and I get it into my mouth and when it is in my mouth, you know how your body just wants to let it come out? That's why everything in me wanted my, just wanted to puke it out because it was just like having cold night crawlers in your mouth. And I wanted to spew it out because it wasn't what I had expected it to taste like. And I wanted to vomit it out. And that's what Jesus says here. Look, you're not hot. You're not sweet tasting. And because of that, I'm going to spit you out. You repulse me. Now, those are some really, really harsh words to this church. But it is, you see... Lukewarm faith is unacceptable, completely unacceptable, and, and he warns the church and every other church that if you don't repent of this lukewarmness, I'm going to spit you out. If you don't become zealous or hot in your faith, then your $3 faith 
is going to be your destruction. I will spit you out. You see, this, this lukewarm state is, is, is the worst state that, that you can be in because you know about Christ, but he doesn't change you because you haven't allowed him in. You know him here, you know about him, but you're no different than anybody else. And so this church, they showed up every week and, and they, they, they sang songs together and maybe had some, some fellowship and some preaching, but, but, but nothing about them changed when they left the building. When they went out into their community, nothing was different about them. But church, when we have relationship with Jesus, when we have allowed him to come in and to change us, and we are in relationship with him, everything about us changes. So that when we go to our place of work, when we shop, when we are in our homes, when we are with our families, we look different. This is where the church does its work. This is where we are, the church, beyond these walls, in day-to-day life. We as the church are to be salt and light to the world around us, and yet when Jesus hasn't changed us, when our faith is lukewarm, when we want just $3 worth of Jesus, we can't be salt and light. And we, would, we do more damage to the church, we do more damage to the body of Christ than if we would profess no faith at all. You see, Laodicea wasn't interested in, in being hot. They weren't interested in, in deep, committed faith. That They were too busy doing their own thing running to their own events. And, and Jesus, you know, serving him really just got in the way. Being his hands and his feet was, was an inconvenience because, man, they had too many places to go, too many uh, fun things to do and activities to pursue. They were... They were disinterested. They were, they were indifferent. They were disengaged from Jesus. They were happy with their $3 worth. So Jesus says, you're indifferent. Don't be indifferent. Then he says, not only are you indifferent, but he says, you're, you're arrogant. He says, you say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and I need nothing, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Man, Jesus is being really tough on them. He says, look, part of being lukewarm is is you're ignorant to your true spiritual condition. 
Because that's what lukewarmness is. Basically, lukewarmness says, I need nothing. I am self-sufficient. I can do it on my own. I don't need much of Jesus. Are you lukewarm? How would you define your faith? Do you seek the Lord earnestly? Do do, do you seek a deeper knowledge and understanding of of the Father? Do, do you desire relationship with Christ? Do you, do, you, do you desire and do you long and do you pray more? Do you find yourself in your prayer closet crying out to God and, and, and in intercession for your family and your friends and, 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 and just in relationship with Him? Are, are, you, are, you, are you a bold witness For Jesus, uh, do do you find yourself uh, in sorrow over your sin? Do 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 you do you have a compassion for the lost? I mean, do, does that describe your faith? Does, does does your heart break for lost people so much that that you that you pray and you intercede and and you long every day just to be with Jesus? Do you say with the psalmist, where can I go to be with you? Or are you just okay with being spiritually self-satisfied? Is Sunday morning just enough for you? And a little prayer at mealtime, is that just enough for you? Because if that is enough for you, that's a pretty good sign that you're lukewarm. If you have no desire for Jesus outside of this place, if you, from Sunday to Sunday, never have, have your quiet time or never in the Scriptures, never seeking God, then you probably are, no, you are lukewarm. Do you want just $3 worth of Jesus? Jesus says to those who are okay with that, he says, you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. And he says, if something about you doesn't change, I'm going to spit you out. So here we see Jesus giving the church at Laodicea the, the, the harshest of all the churches, the harshest criticism. And can I say just one more thing before we get into his invitation? I believe the reason that we see a, a great exodus from the church among young people. Some estimates are up to 
this is my opinion, is because, because kids do not see their parents living life that Jesus is at the center of. Jesus isn't at the center of our homes. Jesus is just, we have a $3 Jesus in our homes. And then we expect our children to latch on to this $3 Jesus and become passionate about their faith and, and go to youth group and, and once they graduate, keep going to church when, when they've seen nothing, when they've not seen anything about their parents being different because of their faith. So moms and dads, what, what do your children see in your home? Do they see parents that are passionate about Jesus? Or, or do they just see parents that it's just one of the things that we do? And by the way you think make th the the things that you make most important in your family schedule tells me, tells you what is most important. And we're running our kids all over the world, spending lots of money so they become better at you name it. And we tell them through the way that we live, Jesus isn't that important. He's really not that important. Because we've got these other things that, that we're, we're more passionate about. Jesus says, Can't be lukewarm. Moms and dads, can't be lukewarm. Because you're going to pass that lukewarmness to your children. And then when you wonder why they don't want to go to church, Then Jesus gives this beautiful invitation. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so that you can see. Jesus has everything that the church needs. The church doesn't need big buildings. The church doesn't need amazing musicians and great worship teams. Now, there's nothing wrong with those. But it's not what the church 
needs. All the church needs is Jesus. And Christ wants, what he's telling them is, look, I want to replace that poverty that you have with spiritual wealth. I want to cover your nakedness and shame with robes of righteousness. I want to heal your blindness. I want to make you see. And there's only one place you can get that, and that is from Jesus himself. He says, buy from me gold. So how do you get this gold and these garments and this salve? How do you get the wealth of Christ? And the power to be clothed in obedience and wisdom to see things the way God sees them. He says, be earnest and repent. Repent of your lukewarmness. The New Living says, be diligent and turn from your indifference. So how do I replace this poverty with the wealth that comes from Jesus? Repent and turn. Wake up and repent. And if you're sitting here this morning and... and, and and, and, and God is, is pressing upon you, showing you, exposing your lukewarmness, the first step to, to, to getting rid of that lukewarmness and, and being clothed in righteousness and being able to see is to wake up and repent. And then Jesus gives this, this absolutely beautiful invitation to this church that was so far from him. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. What an incredible invitation that Jesus gives to this church. And we get this picture of Jesus knocking on the door and, and him waiting for someone to come and open. This morning, I want to encourage you. 
If Jesus is calling you this morning, if he's knocking on the door of your heart, go and open the door. He wants to come in. He waits to come in. Not only does he want to come in, it says he wants to dine with you. He wants to eat with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to share a meal with us. And this isn't a fast food meal where you just order $3 worth of Jesus. This is a meal where you go in and you sit down at a, at a beautifully set table with candles burning, the most incredible environment that you've ever seen, and there sitting across from you is Jesus himself saying, come, come and eat with me. Come and have fellowship with me. You know, in, in a lot of countries, mealtime takes more than five minutes. Now, we Americans tend to eat our food really, really fast, so we can get off to the next thing. In other places, when we were in Spain, man, people sat and they, they, they took forever to eat their meal because, because, because spending time over a meal together was about much more than eating food. It was about relationship. It was about connecting. It was about spending time together in fellowship. That's, brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus wants with you. He doesn't want a quick five-minute microwave meal. He wants to give you himself. Dinner with Jesus. Just the two of you. You and Jesus talking things over, sharing a meal together. What an incredible offer that Jesus makes us. The door is open. Jesus is knocking. He wants you to come. He wants to spend time with you. He's waiting. He stands at the door and knocks. Will you let him in?
as he says, if you invite me, I will come in. I will sit with you. I will talk with you. I will share life with you. That's what Jesus desires. Intimate relationship. And, and, and brothers and sisters, it's out of that intimate relationship with Jesus that we begin to be hot. It's out of that, that time spent with him that we begin to get a passion for lost people. It's out of that time with him that, that I begin to be salt and light to the world around. It's out of that time I spent with him that, that I begin to develop a deep love for, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And as I develop that deep love for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus said that the world would see that. That the world would see our love for each other. They would know that we are his disciples by the way we love each other. But brothers and sisters, we can't love each other on our own. It requires that dining with Jesus. It requires that, that making him most important in our lives. It requires you as a family making him a priority of inviting him into your family to dine with your family so that your children see what relationship with Jesus is all about. And when we begin to do that, then our children will catch on to our faith. They will see that we're not lukewarm, but that we're hot for Jesus. Our faith will be attractive. So my question to you this morning, are you lukewarm? And this morning, if you're lukewarm, I invite you Take some time and be with Jesus. And repent. And repent of that. And turn back and, and have fellowship with Jesus. Because you see, there's not a middle ground here. You can't ride the fence here. You can't walk up the middle aisle. You're either hot or you're cold. 
So as you reflect on your life, where are you? I want us just to be quiet. You know, if you need prayer, either raise your hand up or if you need prayer, come forward. I know we don't have any music playing, but that's all right. Sometimes it's just best to do business with God when everything is quiet. But I want us to do business right now and ask that question. Where am I at in my faith? If Jesus is not, go answer the door. If you need prayer, if you want to come up, it's great. We'll pray with you. If you want to just lift, just throw your hand up. Let's let's just let's just bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's just spend some time before Jesus. And Lord, you're knocking, Jesus. You're knocking on on some 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 some, some hearts this morning. You're wanting to come in and dine with and spend time with and fellowship with those who are here. Jesus, would you make yourself real? Holy Spirit, would you come and, 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 and just humble us? Just make us vulnerable. Jesus, we repent of, of our lukewarmness, of, of, of not making you first in our lives. We, we confess that. And, and, and Jesus, would you... As you come in, would you show us the things that distract us from spending time with you? We repent of our $3 faith. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't pick and choose anymore but we would walk out of this place changed. Jesus, would you go with us as we walk out of this place and would we be your hands and your feet? Would we ooze you, Lord, out of, Jesus, out of that dining with you as we go forward, Lord, I pray people would see something different in us. I pray that our children would see something different in us. And Lord, I, I pray for that person this morning that is trusting in their $3 faith. Lord, would you show them the destruction that comes with A lukewarm 
mentality. Would you make us hot for you? Father, as we go from this place, may we honor and glorify you in all that we do and say. It's in Christ's name that I pray.